Last time I preached to you, I talked to you about three ways to keep your kids off drugs. And I explained to you that sermon from a standpoint that in about 1986, Lisa and I were brand new parents. Uh, Our first child was about six months old at the time. And somebody came to us and shared with us VHS videos. And they were about a guy by the name of Bud Holsey that had two programs. One was Three Ways to Keep Your Kids Off Drugs. The other was called High on Life, Not on Drugs. And Bud Halsey was a sergeant in a police department, but what he tried to do was go into schools, never preached a scripture, it wasn't a sermon per se, but he taught a couple of different things. In the daytime, he would talk to the kids at school about being high on life and not on drugs, and then at night he had a program that he brought the parents in to the auditorium and he would teach the concept of how to keep your kids off drugs, the principles associated. He shared a lot of things. He had been a sergeant of police department, and he had shared a lot of things he experienced in the police department and working with kids for years and and working in the police department. Uh, And I just want to tell you, those videos impacted Lisa and I as young parents. We were... uh, There's a lot of other things that impacted us too along the way, but if you know us very well, you know those videos impacted us. He told a lot of personal stories and different things about the concepts and the principles that he put forth in there that Lisa and I actually implemented those as parents. And part of that is called parenting on purpose, uh, that we didn't just wake up and expect our kids to grow up. We, we actually tried on purpose to incorporate some of these ideas and they were, they were roadmaps, they were real tools that you could implement into your life. And we talked on his program on three ways to keep your kids off drugs, his three principles were, uh, number one, you want to build character and, qual- and char- character and integrity in your children. And his second point was discipline coupled with love. Quality discipline, good discipline coupled with love. And the third principle was spend quality time with your children. They were good, solid, and he implemented ways and gave practical application to how you can do that with your children. And so I built a sermon out of it and put scripture with it because everything he talked about essentially were scriptural principles. He just was in schools and didn't use scripture for it. Well, his second program is... High on life, not on drugs. And I want to share with you some of that this morning. I built a sermon around it. And I want to take just a moment and I want you to, I'm going to set it up by talking about, looky there, the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse number 3. And I just want you to get the concept because the concept has been around for thousands of years. And Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the preacher, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Most scholars would render that he was the author of it. The second wisest man ever to set foot on the face of the earth next to Jesus Christ himself. And he had experienced, people came from far and wide to teach or to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And I just want to share with you some of his wisdom this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse number 3. I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine. You know what he was saying? I sought alcohol. I sought wine. I sought fulfillment in the things that were related to wine and alcohol. 
If we keep reading in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he said, I've made me great works. I've builded me houses. I've planted me vineyards. I've made me gardens and orchards. I've planted trees in them of all kinds of fruits. i made pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth the trees. He had an irrigation system. He built houses. He built a farm. He built lands. Second wisest man ever set foot on the face of the earth said, I sought pleasure in wine. I sought pleasure in building stuff. I don't know how many of you have been involved in construction of things, but there's some satisfaction. That's part of the reason why people that are in the building trades really get satisfaction out of the building trades. Because you start with nothing. You go, let's take just a building. You start with raw land and a set of plans. And you can take that and form materials together and step back and go, wow. And it's very fulfilling Solomon said he tried to find satisfaction in that. I was going to build stuff and in things. I was going to find fulfillment in that. Life's fulfillment in that. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse number 7, he said, I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. He said, if I could just have a lot of servants taking care of my needs, that would fulfill me in life. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse number 7. My tongue doesn't wake up this morning. This is going to be a long sermon with the word Ecclesiastes 19 times. Uh, Chapter 2, verse number 7. He said, I also had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. He said, I tried to find satisfaction in the stuff that I owned. You know, I didn't know this, but you know, y'all know Alan Monk and you heard him preach at the Brotherhood meeting and I've been friends with Alan for years. I mean, we were young, young couples and uh, raising kids together. They had girls, we had girls. They then had a boy, we didn't. And Alan called to brag a little, you know, we finally got a boy out of the deal. But I've been around Alan all of, I mean, for years, since we were teenagers. Well, Alan wanted to farm. I mean, that's what Alan wanted to do. That was his life's fulfillment, his farming. And I would ask him, how many cows do you have? You know, kind of thing. And I'm just an ignorant sort of person. I'm just asking the question. As the years went on, 20, 30 years later, Alan told me, he said, that's really a question you never ask a rancher. You never ask a farmer. He said, because it's kind of an offense to farmers to ask that question. I'm sharing this with you so you don't ask that question. But he said farmers kind of take that as though people are judging them by how many cows they have. You know, you either have 300 cows, oh, you're a 300 cow farmer. I'm a 1,000 cow farmer, you know, or I'm a 20 cow farmer. It's just one of those questions that they don't like to answer because they don't want to be gauged by somebody else or whatever, and they don't like it when it's asked of them. It's kind of like asking somebody how much your new pickup costs kind of deal. It's just one of those questions that's socially not a good thing to do. Solomon said, I had great possessions of cattle, great and small, above all that were in Jerusalem before me. I tried to find satisfaction in the amount of cows I could own. Verse number 8, I gathered me also silver and gold in the peculiar treasure of kings and provinces. Man, I sought after gold. If I could just have a big bank account... I mean, I could find satisfaction in the amount of money that's in my bank account. And I'm telling you, there's folks today that try to find satisfaction in how big their bank account is. They want to see that bank account grow. 
And there are some people that will want to see it grow to the point that they're not giving at all. They're not helping at all. They're, some people are not even living at all because they just want to see how much money they can accumulate. Solomon said, I tried to find satisfaction in that. Verse number 8. He said, I get me singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men as musical instruments and that of all sorts. You ever been around music people? There are people who try to find fulfillment in music. Don't get me wrong. Music, there's a lot of things about music. Kind of gets the heart rate up. Can get you excited. You can go to certain events in town, things like that, and they'll play that music hard and loud. And I mean, that's part of what music does. It's fulfilling. And there are people who get caught up in it with life. If 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 I it, I find fulfillment in music. I find fulfillment in in singing, people singing to me, going to concerts and that kind of thing. That's what I find fulfillment in. Verse number 10, Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. Solomon said, I sought wine. I sought building stuff. I tried to put money in my account. I... I had servants that served me. Whatever my eyes wanted, that's what I went after. That's what Solomon said. Verse number 12, And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. You know, there's some people that find fulfillment in wisdom. If I could find education, if I could find the, the, the answers to all the questions of life, that gives me fulfillment. Solomon said, I tried to find, tried to behold wisdom and madness, folly, be able to answer all the great questions of the world. Tried to find fulfillment in that. Verse number 24, there is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. This also I saw that it was from the hand of God for who can eat or who else can hasten hereunto more than I? Tried to find fulfillment in food. You know, there's folks that do that. Find fulfillment in food. Who can hasten to it more than I? Because that's going to that's gonna make me feel good. You ever notice something about food? It makes you feel good for a little while, and then you're hungry again. Then you want more food to feel good again. Solomon said, I sought after that stuff. At the end in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse number 26, he said, I saw all of that, and this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. You know what he said? You are wasting your time. You're looking after, you're trying to find fulfillment in how much money you've got in the bank and how much wine you can consume and how much food you can consume. And you try to find fulfillment in building stuff and having servants and, and being wealthy and all those sort of things. Solomon said, I did that. I sought after that. And I'm telling you right now, second wisest man ever set foot on the face of the earth, what he's saying? You're wasting your time. If that's what you're trying to find fulfillment in, you're wasting your time. He's warning us. It's written down for ages and ages and ages to warn us. Don't get caught up in those traps. 
chapter 12 and verse number 13, you get to the end of Ecclesiastes. And he says, hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here's what it's all about. It's not about wine, women, and song. It's not about education. It's not about, and all those things have their place. But he said, at the end of the day, that's all vanity and vexatious spirit. If that's what you're looking at to try to fulfill you, here's the deal. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. Your life needs to find fulfillment in fearing God, having respect and honor for God. Honoring him in your life and keeping his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. That's why Solomon, in all of his wisdom, after he lived his life, and if you know Solomon's life, he started off asking for wisdom before it was over. He didn't listen to the wisdom that came from above, and he married a bunch of wives, had a lot of concubines. They turned his heart away from God. Before it was said and done, he was bowing the knee to false gods. Most would say the book of Ecclesiastes is a book of repentance where Solomon himself is saying, I'm looking back over my life and I'm saying, I I did all of these things. I'm telling you, I wasted my time. I found myself separated from God. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. Now, Bud Halsey, in his program, High on Life, Not on Drugs, here is his point of the program. You've got to learn to enjoy life not because of these things that excite the body or fulfill the body. If you're finding life in drugs and alcohol and that's what's giving you life, you're looking in the wrong place. If that's what's fulfilling you, you're in the wrong place. If you're looking for it in bank accounts, you're looking for it in the wrong place. And his whole point is you need to learn to enjoy life. What life really is, don't try to find it in drugs and alcohol. And we can put a lot of other things in that category. High on life, not on drugs. Learn to enjoy life. And here was his experience. Sergeant of police department. He said, I worked with thousands of kids through the years. And he said, I started asking these young people, why is it that you're caught up in drugs and alcohol? Why are you doing this? And he said, I was expecting to hear answers like peer pressure. It's because my friends are making me do it. Someone is influencing me down this path. And he said, so I would tell kids, no, the answer you gave me is wrong. Here's the answer you're supposed to have. Peer pressure. That's the reason you get involved in drugs and alcohol and those kind of things. It's peer pressure. That's the reason. And he would say... These will bring back some phrases from the 80s. But he would say, the children would say, gag me with a spoon. Ooh, yuck. My, children, my friends aren't going to make me do anything. If I don't want to do it, I won't do it. But he said the number one answer he got working with young people, thousands of kids that he interviewed over long periods of time, here was the number one answer they gave him to why they were involved in alcohol, why they were involved in drugs. And here it is. Boredom. And he goes, I can't accept that answer. I can't accept that answer. Boredom? Yeah. He said the kids would go, life is boring, math is boring, school is boring, church is boring, everything's boring. So I take drugs and alcohol so I can enjoy life, so I can get excited, so I can feel the high. Life is boring. He said, I couldn't accept that answer. But he said, after dealing with thousands of kids over long periods of time, 
He said, I think they're right. And I just want to tell you, after watching Bud Halsey for 30-some-odd years and raising kids and things like that, I'm going to tell you, I buy into it. I think, he's, I think he's right. I think the conclusion is right. And let me tell you what I mean by that. <clears throat> and this comes from Bud Halsey. He said in his program that a person is made up of physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. Okay? The three parts of man. That wouldn't be exactly the way I would word it. But let me explain to you what he would word, the way he worded it. The physical is kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, if you're familiar with Maslow's theory. And that is we all have basest needs. And those are the sex drive, hunger, food, uh, food, hunger would go together, drink, things like that. We all have basic needs as a part of Maslow's theory of the hierarchy of needs. But as you can learn to control your spirit and control who you are and be, become more mature, you can control those things to finally we understand things like giving to others, service to others, things like that. But it starts right here in the physical. That we live in that physical world. We need to eat. We need to drink. Human sexuality. All those things that, that tie up into the physical. He said emotional and intellectual is your thinking, re reasoning, and remembering. Like math, English, things like that. Or even emotions that ultimately come out of thinking, reasoning, and remembering. Like Lisa was very sweet to me, therefore I love Lisa. I have good feelings for Lisa because I can remember she made me a big steak or whatever and, and she was very sweet to me and held my hand or whatever. And I remember the good things she did. That's my thinking reason to remember my emotional intellectual self. And that's really what happens in an English class. We're developing the emotional or intellectual self. We're learning about things or we're learning in a science class or a math class, that type of thing. That's where that's done. And then the spiritual self. Now, he was talking to a group of people and not trying to preach church at them or read scriptures to them, but he said, whatever you think that is, there is a part of man that is spiritual. There's a part of us that is what makes us who we are. I would word that a little different. I'm not buying into everything that Bud Halsey said. I probably would say that man is made up of physical soul and spirit and there's a separation between soul and spirit but I think it's essentially the same concept because I think our soul is our emotional intellectual self it's what makes us who we are and our spirit is that eternal part of self that God breathes into us etc and there's a division between those two things I probably would word it a little different but but essentially that's his concept and here's the point he was making if you're going to live in the physical, and that's all you live in is the physical, you're going to be immature emotionally and intellectually. You're going to be an immature person. You're not going to be developed in emotional and intellectual stuff. So guess what? If you live in the physical and all you're worried about is the high, you're worried about how, how you feel, you're excited about something, you're tied up in the physical, you're immature when it comes to English and math and history and other aspects of of those things that you learn in thinking, reasoning, and remembering. And that's why English is boring, school is boring, church is boring. Because we're right here. We're living in a physical. We want excitement. Whatever it is that gives us excitement, that's what we want.
And he said, if we're caught up in the physical, we're immature in the spiritual sense. That we don't recognize the fact that God, that's why church is boring, because we're tied up here. We're going to church expecting church to be an entertainment. We're going to church expecting it to get us excited over something. Don't get me wrong. There's great feelings and experiences and excitement in church if that's what you love and, and uh, you enjoy being at church and those kind of things. But I'm telling you, a lot of folks sit in church and they're not expecting the next experience. They're going, their eyes are rolled in the back of their head. I'm supposed to go to church, check it off the list. And the reality is we're living right here. When's the band going to play? When's the excitement going to start? When's the program going to start that gets us all excited? When, when is the, we went to a deal not too long ago, and the entire program was an MC or what would you call it, a DJ, trying to go, let's hear it from the crowd, let's hear it from the crowd, let's hear it from the crowd. For two solid hours, they're trying to pump the crowd up. Why are they doing that? Because they're right here. That's what that experience is about. And you know, not everything lives in the physical. That's what Solomon was teaching in the book of Ecclesiastes. I sought after wine, women, and song. I sought after building stuff. I sought after having money in my account. I sought after the stuff that would excite me physically. And I'm telling you, at the end of the day, you're wasting your time. It's vanity and vexation of spirit. Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. We need to be concerned with more than just physical. And I want to tell you from practical application today, guys. Our College Park family, here's some, Lisa and I, some of you know us, or a lot of you know us, some of you don't know us, but we've raised four girls. Those four girls have grown up, they're out of college, they're all married, etc. It doesn't make us experts, but I am telling you we've had some experiences. And I'm just telling you from a parent standpoint and warning our young parents Don't get your kids caught up right here. There's more to life than right here. But I'm telling you, there is a temptation in life to get caught up in that. So we sit down at a restaurant nowadays, and parents are taking their children, setting them up around the table, putting iPhones in front of them, because we can't sit at a table and not be entertained. We walk into the living room and we cannot not turn on the television because we have to be entertained. And I just want to tell you, you don't have to be entertained all the time. That's immaturity. You may be living right here, but you're immature in other areas if that's the kind of thing you're doing. We're challenged today with issues like pornography and things like that. That's living right here. That's immature everywhere else. That's not growing up. That's not a grown-up. That's an immaturity. Because we're living in the physical. Does it get me high? Does it get me excited? And that's where drugs and alcohol come in. But I'm telling you, it's far more than that. That's where roller coasters come in. All of life is not Disney World. All of life is not the next exciting thing I can do. Sometimes life is we wash dirty clothes. Sometimes life is we go to church because we want to learn the Bible. Not all of life is about how exciting can it be. I'm not saying don't enjoy church or don't enjoy school. I love school. I love sitting in class. 
I love learning math and English and those type of things. I was an odd kid. I could be a professional student and sit in class forever. I love that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, at the end of the day, there is more to life than this. It's not about just putting stuff in front of your kids. And I'm telling you, as a parenting technique, young parents, you need to be working hard at not putting stuff in front of your kids all the time to keep them entertained. And you need to be working with your kids day and night on developing these other sides of them. And it's a very important thing. We bring our kids to church, and we can't bring a kid to church and expect them to sit for two hours without food. We can't bring our kids to church and expect them to sit for an hour without, and, and listen to a sermon. They have to be entertained. So we're finding kids nowadays sitting in church with headphones on, playing their iPad the entire time. I'm telling you, parents, I'm warning you, parents, as an elder of the congregation, I'm begging you, parents, pay attention. You don't want to do that. You want to develop children that have deeper things in them than just living in the physical. You're making a mistake if that's what you're trying to do with your kids. I know your kids are happy, but you've got to teach your kids how to be happy here or they're not going to enjoy life. They don't understand what real life is about because everything in life is not about party. Everything in life is not about excitement. Everything in life is not about feeling good at the moment. And let me tell you one of the secrets to success in life, honestly. And I struggle with it. I'm telling you I struggle with it. But I'm telling you it's one of the secrets to success is being able to do the mundane thing continuously over long periods of time and be fulfilled in it. I want you to listen to me. Doing the mundane over long periods of time and finding fulfillment in it. That you're not having to have somebody excite you all the time or something excite you all the time for you to find fulfillment in life. That's why Bud Halsey came to the conclusion boredom is the number one reason we have drugs and alcohol problem is because school's boring, life's boring, church's boring, everything's boring, 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 boring. I'm bored is because their children, those children, have never developed the other side of them. You take a young man and he wants to date a young lady. Does he want to date her here? Does he want to date her here? Does he want to date her here? And you ask most young people nowadays and you say, are you trying to date her spiritually? Oh, yeah, of course not. You're trying to date her emotionally, intellectually. You're trying to get to know the intellectual side of your date. Oh, no. Am I trying to date her here? Uh, yeah. And I'm telling you, if you're that way, it's an immature relationship. That's all I'm telling you. It's an immature relationship. You are slow in understanding how a relationship really works. Don't get me wrong. Lisa and I have been married 36 years, going on 37 years. I love her physically. Love her physically. But there's more to our relationship than physical. I love her spiritually. It's what makes her the beautiful person that she is. 
Because she's deeper than just this. She's deeper than just this. Emotionally, intellectually. I can sit down and have a conversation with Lisa about things separate and apart from are we feeling good at the moment? Are we just tied up in the physical? I'm warning you folks, we've got to develop maturity in our children and that's parenting on purpose. It's moms and dads on purpose trying to teach their children tools to help them be successful with how life works so that we can try to keep them from getting caught up in all the physical things. There's a time and a place for physical. It's a part of the basic basest of things that human beings need. You, you're going to eat, you're going to drink, you're going to have desires and all those things. That's a part of being a human being. All of that's natural. It's okay. But it's got its time and its place. You've got to be able to use your brain. You've got to understand the spiritual implications and things like that. If you really want to develop a relationship with somebody, you're going to need some more depth to it than just this right here. May God bless you in your home and in our homes, in the decisions we make in our homes. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. And he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. If you want to live in the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life... You're not of the Father. That's what that verse says. If all you want to do is live in the physical, you're not doing what it is that God has asked you to do. There needs to be some more depth there. First John, Romans chapter 8, verse number 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. If you want to live after the Spirit, you've got to spend some time developing the Spirit or the spiritual self. If you want to live in the flesh and mind the things of the flesh, then that's where you're going to live. And that's why people struggle in these areas. I'm telling you, I agree with Bud Holsey at the end of this. I really do. I think we've got a, a lot of folks that are hung up in the physical and they never mature out. They never develop out on the other side. Romans 8, verse number 13, For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. You want to be high on life? You want to enjoy what life has to offer? Not let life get you down? Not get to where you're struggling with life? You need to have a broader perspective of life than just I have to be excited every moment. Matthew 6 verse number 25, Jesus asked the question, Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? kind of a rhetorical question, isn't it? There's a lot more to life than what I'm eating and drinking. There's a lot more to life than what I'm feeling at the moment. A lot more to life. And I've got to grow up in those areas as well. May God bless your home and your families. May God's countenance shine down upon our families, especially here at College Park. We need these young folks growing up. We need you parenting these young folks. We need them growing up and becoming strong members of a congregation that understand how life works and understand how church works and understand what happens in developing as a Christian and taking on their families and their children. And I want to tell you at the end of this story, it's been what our theme has been over the last year. It lies at the feet of our fathers 
It lies at the feet of our mothers. It lies at the feet of our families as to how strong our congregation is. May God bless you in the decisions you make in your home. 